that was the part that like caught me off guard when I first heard the songs because I heard them as instrumentals first. Yeah. And when it goes to Dan hits the octave pedal and goes from standard to a complete just jump down for the end of it, yeah. I was like, what did I just fucking hear? Yeah. is currently sitting on a shoebox on my nightstand so you know well, whatever works yeah fooled me i would have never thought <laughs> unless you said it so um cool well thank you so much everyone for tuning in this is another episode of the scoped exposure podcast uh i'm joined today by the probably the most unapologetic uh predators fan in both the hardcore and everywhere in between uh oh got the tats to prove it as well <laughs> very hard to get this in camera when i'm like a mirrored image i'm like okay which way do i move <laughs> this but there you go you're all good uh adam from orthodox and youth clubs thank you for joining me on the podcast today yeah man thanks for having me glad we finally made this work a hundred percent yeah we were trying to figure out things during the day uh and unfortunately that didn't work for your work schedule and then i had a solid week where uh, my wife was out of the house, so the time flexibility was wide, wide open. So glad there we're we sitting down. Uh, we're definitely going to be chatting about Orthodox and Youth Collapse, uh, two uh, big bands that I'm, uh, I would go to bat any day for. Um, but uh, before let's not call them big bands, <laughs> no, I would say let's, let's not get let's not get out of let's not go crazy here. Uh... <laughs> um. Before we get super into it, Adam, we got to do our scoped exposure Bev check uh, before okay. we get too into it. So I wanted to keep this uh, podcast as uh, edge as possible. So I, I'm not recommending this drink, uh, but I I saw it and thought it was perfect for today. So it's, it's called Sober Car Carpenter, and it's a non-alcoholic craft beer IPA. Oh, my God. So... We're going to give it a run, see how it is. I'll probably... Sure. Probably tastes like shit, but it's okay. <laughs> Straight up, this is the very first like non-alcoholic beer that I'll, that I'll be having, so I'm glad it's being documented on this podcast. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's funny how unimportant things can just be broadcasted to the internet. <laughs> Straight up. Uh, what do you got on your end? I have uh, something I would recommend. A polar seltzer, um, raspberry lime. That There's no better sparkling drink out there. That so. sounds very, very good. Well, yes, cheers yes it is. to you, my friend. Yeah. Let's. Oh, yeah. It. I wish mine was that tall. <laughs> yeah. It is. If I hold it just at this and it crops it off, it'll be about the same. Yeah. There size. we go. Yeah. Don't, don't, you know. Yeah. Just don't show me up here, man. Well, Adam, um, that's actually not too bad. Anyways, um, before we get uh, super into it, um, I'm a firm believer as far as like context is super important, how it comes to, you know, the, the bands and the different comps and just different things that influence people to get into the bands and the positions that they are in music. So let's go back in time. 
give me Adam's hardcore origin story, metalcore origin story, whatever you want to call it. And uh, okay. obviously, you being from Nashville and having uh, from some of the research I've done for this podcast had a pretty rich upbringing when it kind of, when it comes to just being surrounded by music. So take it yeah. away and uh, tell the people at home the well the hymns and hugs. Um, short summary of the whole upbringing with music is just that my parents were in the country music industry. Uh, they were producers, publishers, songwriters. Not only my parents, but my grandfather. Um, all of which were in the country music industry and that in Nashville is the stereotype, but it's there for a reason because the, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, when they were heavily involved is when everything was flourishing. So they signed acts like uh, Joe Diffie, Keith Urban, Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney, John Michael Montgomery. It's a pretty ridiculous list of artists. And if you like country music and you're listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to all of the names that I just mentioned, just turn this off now because you're fucking late on your homework and you need to get back to what's real there. Um, but outside of that, in terms of my musical journey, um, I'd say the first like heavy bands I heard were uh, in huge thanks to Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Uh, as I've said many times before, without that game, I genuinely like I was already like into skateboarding, but that made it like jump in and that only dove me deeper into all sorts of different alternative cultures that I probably wouldn't because being out here, especially in a time where the internet was like dial up and I used it for, you know, video games, like shitty little online video games. Like you didn't have a way, uh, you didn't have the, the access that we have so easily now. Um, to everything so like if I wanted to find something I had to actually go looking for it and I probably wouldn't have done that because my household was very country related like they just didn't understand why people were screaming they just didn't get it <laughs> didn't understand so if I didn't have that drive and that like culture around me to back it up I probably wouldn't have pushed through and forced my mom to read lyrics of records she because she had to read that to make sure it was okay for me to listen to like that's the kind of house I was in um first like heavy cd uh was hybrid theory from lincoln park um probably first like alternative cd thing anything was good charlotte uh young and the hopeless mm -hmm. and yeah from there uh volume three subliminal verses from slipknot i actually had all of like the other records that had all the really bad shit on it on my itunes but they were just under different artist names uh so that they wouldn't get found um <laughs> and like uh, like who would be who would you rename like what what were some of those like um call it aliases on your itunes because i remember doing that and i just remembered like just sometimes you would have to do the the work to like make sure everything was nice and clean i think i just changed slipknot to Corey taylor because it sounded like a country artist <laughs> um that's really really funny Corn, I don't think there was any suspicion because it's, I mean, it's called corn. Yeah. Um, I don't honestly remember the other ones because it would literally, I would have like weird, a lot of them were just like, I would download it illegally. So half the shit was just like dot seven, six, three, four M whatever. And I was just like, oh, this just looks like some weird file that got ended up on the computer somehow. And, you know, 
back then nobody knew how computers fucking worked right. like we just were like oh that's there we probably shouldn't touch it because it's either gonna put a virus out there or it's supposed to be there that was like <laughs> right or our explode understand- what are our those understandings three? our understandings of computers at the time was like a dog's understanding of like sit if i sit down maybe i'll get a treat maybe i won't that's like how that the whole thing right. was for us at the time so most of the time i got away with everything um there was one point i think i forgot to change something and it i got caught it and she was like oh what all is in here and i was like uh it's just that and then we were fine but like what's the song called people just... equal shit and you're like no nothing no 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 not that one that's fine um but yeah from there uh christian metalcore in the late 2000s was huge out here so my first heavy show was haste the day scary kids scaring kids drop dead gorgeous Gwen Stacy, and then the opener was at the time a local band called As Hell Retreats that then went all over the place. Yep. Um, grew up with like them being a huge influence as well as uh, A Plea for Purging, which is probably one of the most underrated heavy bands of all time. Hard uh, agree. Hard agree on that. Yeah. Oh my God. Another band. If you've never, li- if you, here's the thing: Plea for Purging gets a really bad rap because a lot of their merch was goofy, a lot of their videos was goofy, and they were on Face Down Records. Straight up, if you've just written them off for that, like go listen to the Marriage of Heaven and Hell because there's not many records heavier than that record. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's um, packed full of just riffs that like make any, like a lot of bands that are like call it metalcore bands nowadays are just like you are copying someone's homework from a long time ago that you didn't even know. Yeah. About. Yep. I mean that's why literally Mike Orthodox drummer has a plea tattoo. And Andy is on our new record. Um, and so I, that was like, we had a part that sounded like their de- a part that would be on their Depravity record. And I texted him, I was like, yo, what if I get Andy on a song? He's like, fuck yeah, do it. <laughs> so which, like two which weeks later, Andy, it's the presence. Oh, okay. The first, the first yelling vocal where he says no conclusion to this curse through like that whole little stompy two-step type thing yeah. is Andy. Andy Atkins from Wow. Person. Shout out to Andy. Shout out to Fat yeah. Core. All that good shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, that was like the world I grew up in was like those, you know, Scream the Prayer started their tour here every year and things like that. So not the hardest of backgrounds. Um. But eventually, as every kid that goes to shows all the time, I was just hungrier and hungrier for more and more. And my taste kind of moved over towards liking hardcore music a lot more. Um, I think the first band I ever saw that was a hardcore band that I really connected with was a band called Another Mistake. Um, They can now, you can now find their singer uh, singing for an incredible band named Inclination. Uh, as well as another badass band called Constraint. Um, Constraint is pretty much another mistake with breakdowns. That's like what Constraint sounds like. Hmm. So, um, but yeah, another another band, another mistake. Go listen to it. It's fucking awesome. And um, you can literally, you can honestly trace like a lot of my stage presence, weird, like groovy, dancey move type things back to like me just, admiring the shit out of how tyler works the stage and to this day even though he's like 55 or something like that he's just he's not actually he just is beat up like he is but um like to this day i still just i love watching him perform and so that was a huge huge thing for me getting into hardcore was that band 
Um, and from there, I just kind of, I was the typical late teens, uh, early twenties kid where every band that had played a show outside of their own state. And even some that hadn't, if they had an EP out, I'd listen to it two or three times and had an opinion on it. So that's just where I was and uh, went to every show that I possibly could would call out of work for it if I had to. And eventually um, Orthodox was started. It sounded originally like if foundation was really fast all the time. And eventually we kind of like realized that we didn't really grow up listening to hardcore music, which is, fine you don't have to have always listened to hardcore to enjoy hardcore music you don't have to like i mean it definitely helps to understand where the new bands get what they're coming from because there's just a level of appreciation to the idea of like wow these dudes are the ones that started how this sounds but you you don't necessarily have to love that that's not the idea but we grew up loving like new metal and heavy bands like that uh, and you can start to hear us to get a little into that on our EP, Give Me a Reason, um, just like a little bit. But then we uh, signed to Unbeaten and they were like, put out an LP and we're like, we, okay, sure. And we just kind of started to dive into what we really wanted to do, Tyler uh, Williams and I. And it came out with a really different sound from like anything really hardcore related. Um, still very much rooted in it, but a lot weirder and I wouldn't call it a hardcore record because of that. But um, that is pretty much my quick, quick synopsis of how I came to where I am yeah. with music and hardcore. Yeah. And, and I was rewatching um, the interview that you did with uh, Caleb from the, the serial playlist. Um, yeah. And, uh, dude, that was one of my favorite interviews. That dude. So funny. Oh, he's so great. He he actually came on the pod. I think it was like right when we were kind of going online when it came to doing these mm -hmm. podcasts. But uh, cool. yeah, very 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 sweet guy. Um, oh and yeah, just a very had a good little. Um, I don't want to say gimmick, but like, what's the good way of saying that? Essentially, a really good idea as far as like just putting a very basic idea into the flesh and, and surrounding sure. music around it. So, Oh yeah. Um, but you were, Absolutely. uh, so going back to that, you, you did an interview with him and I was like rewatching that. And he, like you were mentioning on how orthodox started in 2013. And then he cut to, I guess one of your very first shows or something. I was like, this doesn't no, sound. It's not like... very first shows. It was our very first tour. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, I was, yeah. I was kind of just like, this doesn't sound like anything that I think when I think of Orthodox sonically or musically. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, you guys have definitely kind of come through the ringer as far as like, and I've seen that with other bands, even locally here, like there's, there's a bands who are like, you know, playing hardcore shows and they're like, we actually all really like death metal. So let's put out a death metal record. And then it's like, it's sick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, that's one thing that's, semi-frustrating with heavy music it's kind of like you'd look at artists like childish gambino mm. who put out um camp and then he put out because of the internet which is the one that like really took off which are both like very cool experimental hip-hop albums and then he put out um it's my favorite album of his and of course i can't remember what it's called childish gambino pull it from the ethos well, the third record is basically a soul record. 
Like there's no hip hop about it. Yeah. There's nothing hip hop about it. Aside from like, there's a couple of trap drums here and there. It is a straight up soul record. And then the record he, Oh, awaken my love. That's what it's called. Um, And then the new record he just put out is like mainly almost like house music half the time. So, but nobody complains when he jumps from, I just did this. I want to do this now. Now I want to do this. But in like heavy music, if you're, if you put out 10 songs and they don't all fit in the same room, people think that you don't have an idea of what you're doing. And it's like, actually, I have a good idea of what I'm doing. I'm just doing more than one thing. Right. And I never understood why people get on to people when it's like, oh, this new record doesn't sound anything like the last one. Well, no shit. That's the last one. Like, no. why, why do you want the same thing twice? You can, if you want the hardcore, like, here's the thing again, is like hardcore metal music, band to band, a lot of them sound very similar. If you want that last record, go find the other four bands that sound like it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how that goes. Yeah. No, but I, 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 never I, really, I never understood that. Yeah. Well, I think that brings up a really interesting point. Like, you know, you could look at a, a couple bands that have kind of done the, call it the same thing with different, layers of skin like i think of like power trip as being a good example as far as always kind of Mm -hmm. being that just like balls to the wall thrash music yeah and um but i i agree with you that there's there's a lot more um rustling of the feathers when a a band wants to go in a direction that is maybe you know a little bit softer or really really heavier and not just straight up hardcore um I, I think maybe one of the only bands that have, have done that in a successful manner is like is like Angel Dust. Because when they came out, it was like, this is like a punk, hardcore band. And then now it's like, most of the time there's like, I would say there's probably more like lighter acoustic guitars than there is like heavy electric yeah. guitars on that. So that The thing that makes that transition easier for people to swallow is because even though there were parts that were like pissed off on the first couple of records, it was always a happy feeling. Yeah. Um, I'd say the band has done it most successfully in what I can hear and what I've listened to is Ceremony. Yeah. That that, that, that band went from well. being the most pissed off band, one of the most pissed off bands I've ever heard to being a straight up like smooth, easy punk band. Right. And people complain about all the time to the point where i'm pretty sure they had a shirt that says like i missed the old ceremony or some (laughs) shit like that and i'm like that's fucking great yeah but what's crazy about them is they'll like play shows where they play mostly like their punk stuff and like towards the end they'll throw like cursed in there right and like the shit that's going to get people hurt if they don't know what's going on kind of thing like right it it, that that to me is really cool because it's the prime example of like just because something works doesn't mean just because like you liked you did one thing one way a certain time doesn't mean you have to do exactly that or what people expect of the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, if I write a record, I'm writing what I want to write. It's not going to be what I think you're going to enjoy because that's not the point, especially of this genre. Yeah. If I'm writing pop music, yeah, my hook is based on who I'm singing to, but otherwise, I don't want this to sound like crass or like I don't really appreciate anyone's ever supported my music but as i'm writing something i could give a fuck what anybody else is going to think about it if i think it's sweet i think it's sweet yeah yeah and that gets into the the whole like quality subjective nature of things and like you really have to stay the course of like i'm writing 
the music that I want to and that I f- like find fulfillment in, not like, well, I think, you know, this style of music is really like popular. So like we might do better as a band or like I've always wanted to, you know, do stuff. And it's just like sit down with your guitar, your drums, your your lyric sheet and just write. And if it's a if it's a rap album, maybe you do a rap album. If it's something that's totally left field, like being able to play up on those and kind of fuck the judgment of anyone else that's on the outside. of Yeah. It. Yeah. I, I would love to hear Adam have some kind of non-metal music fill in the blank in, in the near uh, future. I don't know if that's behind the scenes or just wishful thinking. I mean, I would love to do that. I just don't know when I'd have time, but <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Busy guy, and uh, you know, took a lot to to get this podcast down. But um, to tra- transition, um, uh, what it, I would say, like I, I guess, Orthodox would be your main band. You guys put out a release mm-hmm. at the very end of last year, start of this year, start of this year. I think, yeah, I think the the start of that happened in a at, at the end of the year. But um, yeah, you guys put out uh, Let Us Take Its Course um full length on unbeaten records um i feel like you guys on a music side of things there's a lot of bands who are like oh yeah we're influenced from like you know slipknot and those kind of things but i feel like on the guitars and vocal side like i feel like you guys actually are allowed to say that because it's just it just has that fast like just just ridiculous like just metal like pure metal kind of sound to it um so um and and there there's definitely like a lot of songs that you guys wanted to like in an lp like maybe these aren't going to be like call it live songs but they kind of are a key piece of the puzzle in the entirety of the record so um Mm -hmm. maybe just talk to me on the reflective nature of like it being out for i guess like almost almost a year now and uh, just like, what are the songs that have really gotten people's attention? What are the ones that you're most proud of, even if they didn't get, call it the recognition that you deserve? Because you're just proud that you took the time to to do a song of that nature on that record. Um, it's hard to reflect on it because like, I was literally just talking to Matt from Boundaries uh, on my way home from work today about how... Um, he was filling in for varials on the last tour that we did, which was uh spite varials. I am us and a band from Australia. And, um, literally that ended six months ago. Like we have been home for six months and that was, we got sent home in the middle of that. And that tour, we literally released that record on day two of that tour. So it's yeah. been a whole lot of like waiting and like hoping things are going to get better to where we can actually get out and really work the record. Um, but nothing's really any better yet. Um, and so it's hard to say like when reflection, how I feel about it, because it almost feels like it's flopped just because we're not able to keep putting it in people's faces. And when, with the attention span that we all have these days, it's kind of hard to keep someone listening to the same songs if they're not going to get the chance to hear it in front of them. Um, But to answer what I'm most proud of, 
I would say my favorite songs when I listen to it now. I really like the song Cut um, just because I'm a, I'm the biggest System of a Down fan that I know. And that song to me was as close to a toxicity that I think this band could get away with. Um, I really like the song Look at Me because I think it encompasses all of our inspirations in a way that's very upfront and there's a lot of room for reaction in that song, but it's not like the typical, like, here's this slow buildup for this breakdown where you're going to fight over it. It's like a lot more of like a, you get a genuine reaction and a genuine movement out of somebody out of what's being played, which was a lot of fun to see once we started playing it live. Um, Let it take its course. The title track has, the coolest breakdown this band will ever write with the like little bell thing. Um, it, the minute that kicked in, when I saw you guys in Winnipeg, I was like, okay, th- this is the song. <laughs> it is. So I mean, sick. that's literally, we wrote that and the whole idea. I mean, even now I listen to it. I was like, wow, we did a pretty good job with it because yeah. the guitar is constantly in full time while the drums are always aside from like a small section in halftime but there's not really a heavy part played in it that's played exactly how you anticipate it to be played. So like the breakdown with the bell, I remember we wrote it as like a, what would it sound like if Gojiro was dragging their knuckles? <laughs> that's like what the mindset of that was. Yeah. Um, and then like the very ending breakdown with the big bend is like play with the off, uh, the offbeat hi-hat as opposed to, um, being straightforward and driven which just kind of adds a whole different weird groove element that we hadn't do- like done before so that song to me it just feels really cool to have a song where i personally am still satisfied with how my vocals sound which is kind of rare and then also uh musically i'm like wow there's a lot of shit that has been done before but not done this way mm-hmm. so that's a cool thing to to because i mean you put out a metal record in 2020, every riff you have, somebody can be like, well, that sounds like this from this band from then. Yeah. But like we actually, I feel like that song in itself is like, okay, I can't really think of much, if anything, that actually sounds like how that song does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And mad shout out to Mike, one of just the the sickest drummers on, on that front. Um, oh, was, he's a fucking beast. Yeah. He no. cracked me up how like, he showed up and was like, yeah, there's some songs I don't really have down all the way. And then he knocked everything out in like maybe 10 hours, if that. That dude, it's, it's frustrating how even when he fucks up, he's still in the pocket. Like he just is always right on the click. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. And then live, he's very consistent. Yeah. It, it's been, um, you know, a, a big juggling of, knowing what I, what I can still like post during these times. Cause I'm essentially been out of like live show content yeah, for a long, you're having long new time. Content. Yeah. yeah. So, so originally what I was doing is I was kind of picking certain songs from like a drum cam session as like, Oh, I'll just, yeah. just post those. But then when this quarantine hit, I was like, maybe I'll just release the entire ones and 
I think Mike was one of the very first ones I posted because literally I could have picked any song that he had done because there was, you know, there's always going to be those things that happen in a live setting. But like, like you said, just being able to recover from those and, and um, what is that in, in, in jousting parrying, like just crazy on how jousting or not jousting, but fencing. what, wait, what are you talking about? Well, like, parrying i is that not like you kind of deflect and then you kind of move around i think of like an assassin's creed where you're just like countering the entire time but par- i don't know if parrying is the right word is jousting not when you're on a horse riding towards somebody else uh it, that is i think i was just i think i meant sword fighting same okay. era just okay di- I'm like, on wait, feet versus how on the a fuck horse. are we on a horse all of a sudden okay <laughs> sorry we're 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 just snaking our way through. Yeah, here. sure. Whatever. We'll make it to the finish line eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's like, all right, let's get it wrapped up. Um, <laughs> so um, Orthodox is pretty upfront about being a, a straight edge band. Um, and I had a question just on the whole topic of straight, straight edge. Cause I think nowadays, um, you know, that moral identity of, of a band doesn't really it doesn't really matter what the music is like there's super heavy straight edge bands there's like really classic new york style straight edge bands and kind of everything in between um because you guys have been a band for so long was that kind of you know were you kind of the fish out of water when you were like oh yeah we're a straight edge band and then you're like what what tuning are you guys in (laughs) i mean looking back it definitely was a niche at the time because we were like a thrashy heavy metallic straight edge hardcore band and really at the time that we were getting started there wasn't that much of a straight edge scene like nationwide the video that you saw on the on Caleb's interview um, is actually from Edge Day and Foundation headlined, um, and that was in Atlanta and everything. And so that like, again, that was huge influence on us was was Foundation. And if you ever hear our first EP, you have to dig for it at this point. But um, it sounds just like that. And uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. I think we never set out to sound too much like anybody else. So we were already kind of aware that no matter what we do or identify with, it's going to be kind of our own thing. Just because that's who we were. We weren't like trying to be different. It's just like, we're a bunch of fucking weird kids from middle of nowhere, Tennessee. Like it's not going to be the same energy that you get out of say an Atlanta band or a Florida hardcore band or a New York band. Um, But I don't know that it necessarily like was a bad thing. It just, it just, I, I, I guess because I never noticed, I never assumed anybody else noticed. Right. Most of the time we were fighting people off from thinking we were a Christian band because of our name. So like, that was my main thing was like, I don't give a fuck how you feel about straight edge, but like, we're not some corny Christian band at this point. Yeah. So like, that's, I remember, oh, what band was it? I think it was bent life we had literally played with bent life like four times in a year and then we finally we played with each other at gateway to the west fest on that same first tour and 
Andy, their singer, was like, oh, this Orthox fan was so fucking badass, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, we played together like a ton. And he told someone, I was like, yeah, I just always thought they were some like Christian metal band. And I was like, oh, I guess that's the thing people think. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I never noticed any real like hindering of any sort because of it. Um, but that could just be me not paying enough attention, to be honest. I, I, it's definitely something that we, we, I feel like we definitely meet with more controversy now that we are playing to not as many like hardcore crowds as we once did. Like we've done like a deathcore tour where every night we were getting offered weed because they just had no idea what it meant. That's just how far from that culture they were uh, to being, you know, on tours where people do get it but they just don't agree with it or they've had bad experiences with it or so on and so forth um but yeah i I don't know i don't think it's ever to answer your question now as long as i possibly could i don't think it's ever injured us in my mind yeah but i think that's a an interesting point that you brought up just as far as like you guys may be playing a little bit more on the metal side of things like you know, that not only is that reflective of, you know, the bands, but also like the venues, like some hardcore shows are like, yep, this is in a all ages venue. So there's no drugs or, or booze or anything like that. But metal, you can have kind of everything in between as far as like playing a bar gig or or things like that. Well, my doggo just kind of freaked out for a second. Um, But uh, yeah, like, I think, I think that is interesting that you're a little bit more in that realm where you're maybe you maybe see that a bit more versus like, hey, we're playing this uh, youth crew uh, show and it's at a skateboard shop and uh, yep. there's a pizza in the in the back for everyone. Like, yeah, I mean, we've literally played that exact show, <laughs> so like, I, I know exactly what you mean, and it is very different going from. I mean, I definitely we haven't played many small shows like that over the last couple of years, and like, we're very fortunate to have gotten to play the size of the crowds that we have been um but it is a very big difference going from like uh there's a place in indiana called the royal skate shop which is just where is that it's like close to gary so it was like a weird area to start with those shows were fucking scary violent to the point where like even being the band i'm like yo i'm about to get nailed right now like just knocked hard but and then going from that to playing we were fortunate enough to play uh, a sold out show at the masquerade on this last tour on in hell, which is like a 500 cap room. And there's a barricade. Yeah. And it was fucking weird. And it's, it's, it's crazy to have played and grinded and played so many shows in the size of this room and being, you know, where I can smell this guy's sweat. And also that's almost more challenging because like, if this dude right here isn't fucking with it, I can't look away from that. Right. If there's somebody in the huge room that doesn't care and whatever, they're looking at their phone. I can be like, okay, whatever. There's 400 other people here that are digging it or whatever. But like, if there's a dude who's just like, obviously not about it, it is so much more just in here in a small room than in a big place. Yeah. Uh, Bro, which if you're not those... into it, could you like go to the back of the room or go yeah. to the... <laughs> Oh my god. We played uh a little like rec like rec center in Alabama um at the end of our tour with I am and boundaries last year. And like Alabama's a neighboring state for us. We do 
really well there because we've been playing there for six years at that point. Like we have a lot of friends there and a lot of a following there. And so like kids are often really stoked to see us. And this room was packed, like packed, packed. And, but there was no stage. So it was one of those where like, I can only see this and this dude wearing some like pop punk jersey just didn't give a fuck he literally was just the whole time everyone around him was like jumping freaking out piling on he just did not care i finally just was like fuck this and i just like shoved him to the side i was like go away <laughs> like what the what get, is this get your a day to remember swag out of here and let me do my <laughs> thing oh i would have been five as a day to remember swag it was some weird like I don't even remember what it was. It was. It's like an older I, Victory Records pop punk band, probably. I, I, yeah, whatever. This dude was like <laughs> neck tats, face tats. Like, I'm wearing this soft band shirt to be ironic thing. I'm just like, okay. Y'all, y'all still exist, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I don't even remember what the original question was. No, no, we were getting off topic. I think oh, we, were just... we were talking about pizza. Pizza in the back. Yeah, That's pizza in the back. Yep. Um, to to hard transition though, because um, you know, well, I I will say before we we transition to to say that your latest album was a flop, I feel like that doesn't give you any credit because that's been an album that I've been constant constantly constantly repeating, and even when I shared the, I guess like the flashback of when you guys did play Winnipeg and we crossed paths for the first time, so many people were like, "Whoa, this is my first time hearing about this band," so. I think you, I think that was like a a huge milestone record for you guys, and I'm not trying to say that just to pump your pump your tires. Well, thank you. And, I, and, and I hope that you get a chance to really crush the those songs live in the way that you guys have always hoped to. Thank you. And saying it was a flop is a reach because we did gain a whole new fan base with it, and so on and so forth. But it it just I think our it's just really hard to listen to it knowing what our plans for the year were going to be. Yeah. Like the tour we would have gotten home from a month ago was supposed to be the craziest tour we'd ever been asked to be a part of. And it just, you know, the world shut down. So it's, it's literally, I was talking to Matt about how I had this podcast interview tonight and I was like, dude, I was like, I don't care if he never posts this interview. I just want to talk to someone about like music stuff because there's so much uncertainty in the music world that I literally have like just kind of put it on the back burner because I don't want to constantly bum myself out of like well you might get to tour again we'll see you know like it's just one of those weird things where I just it's it's been in the back of my mind to where I'm it I'm so stoked to be here and talk about this kind of thing just because usually it's all I talk about for a month and a half out of every summer Right. I didn't get to do that this year. So like it's it's been oh it's been a very strange I mean I don't have to tell you or anybody listening it's been a weird year. Yeah. But well, yeah. We're very happy to have you. Glad you were excited <laughs> about this podcast despite yeah. me fumbling sometimes on some of these question transitions. Um but uh-huh. to again to hard transition, uh I would love mm-hmm. to talk about uh another project that you're involved in. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to say this to, to, to give you a big ego check. Um, I think youth, youth collapse is probably in my top 10 new bands of this year, as far as favorites. So 
Can you Thank please, you, please, please tell me how that came to be? Um, it and, and maybe clarify like who does what in the band because there's yeah. there's there's people on the engineering side and then like people who are just ripping the fattest solos side. Um, and then uh, you're actually playing drums on this release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, break it down. Give us the the origin behind the scenes. So, um, for Orthodox, Sounds of Loss and Let It Take Its Course were both uh, partially produced, mixed and mastered, engineered by Daniel Colombo, uh, who also helped me write almost all of this last record. Because after Sounds of Loss, Tyler, who was the other sole contributor of the band, joined Counterparts, which tours 500 days a year. So he couldn't do both. And we were like, look, go be a fucking rock star. That's badass. So Dan uh, actually moved to Nashville and we wrote most of that record. Um, so Dan also played in the Mongoloids as well as Suburban Scum, other New Jersey bands, um, even though he never at any point lived in New Jersey. I really don't know how that came to be. But um, Dan and I have become very close over the years. He's one of my favorite people. And he sent me... Uh, what what ended up becoming new form which is the first youth collage ep uh probably over a year and a half ago but what's crazy is it was recorded instrumentally four five five years ago what is happening um seriously so so um it was actually originally supposed to be the final mongoloids ep Dan wrote and recorded all of it himself with um, he does all the strings and then he had the drummer for his old deathcore band Grenade Face play drums on that. Okay. First can we just say it, Grenade Face is one of the best band names ever. <laughs> dude, if you can find their music, it is fittingly face melting. It's fucking ridiculous. Face imploding. Um, Anyways, keep going. So he sent me that forever ago because it just never got worked on. Greg, uh, the singer of the Mongoloids, just it, it, it just never worked out. And so originally I was going to sing on it and we were going to release it as a new band. And then at some point, Greg was like, hey, I need to get a music fix going. Do we still have those songs? And he was like, yeah. And Greg was like, I don't know what the hell I want to write about. Um, do you have anybody you would recommend that could help me write some of these songs? And so that's how I came into the picture officially was Dan was like, Hey, Greg wants you to write some of these songs like lyrically and help him with some of the vocal patterns. Cause he's felt out of practice, uh, which is ironic because the title track or the, what's the title track, the song youth collapse is actually those, the one song that, that Greg wrote in full by himself. And that's to me, lyrically the, the sickest one mm-hmm. to where I was, I, I wrote, 90 to 95 percent of the lyrics for six feet binds in time and um set in my ways and so uh i didn't pay too much attention to the song youth class because i knew that greg already had it finished and so he i literally was doing backup vocals and that's when i was for, for the first time reading the line well it doesn't matter let your youth collapse and i was like yo i literally stopped like that's the fucking band name. 
I think we're going to call it orchestrated or something like in regards to a Mongoloid song. It's like, no, fuck that. This band is going to be called Youth Collapse. That's the sickest thing I've heard in a long time. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of how the whole picture came about was I, Greg needed a little support on writing a little bit. And then I just kind of literally wrote songs how I would imagine the Mongoloids would write it and would like try to, I would go back and listen to old Mongoloid songs and kind of picture how Greg sings things. And then I would do a soft, like actual singing version of it for him to understand where my vocal pattern was. And then he would go in and make it his own whole different monster. Yeah. It's kind of like the idea of like, you go to a tattoo artist with something in mind and like for this, for instance, was like, Hey, give me a coffin with three X's and a Reaper Scythe. And this came out of it. Like just my mind does not conceptualize right. that. Yeah. But that's like how it is with Greg is like, I give him like this rough edit of something and then he'll go in and just knock it out of the park into the next field and knock someone unconscious with the ball. Like it's <laughs> insane how, especially with the song, we just did the itch. Yeah. Um, that's the first song I did on drums. And I wrote most of that song and sent it to him. I was like, Hey, I was like, there's a lot of cool things you could do in this. And he was like, I don't know, man, I'm nervous. And then he sent it back and we're like, dude, this is the best vocal take you've ever done. Yeah. Like hands down. So it, that's kind of just what the dynamic is, is it is Dan and I sit down and write a song at his computer, like how we did the Orthodox record, where most of the time it's me humming a riff and Dan being the instrumental genius that he is, is like, oh, we could do this with that and just noodles all over the place with it. Yeah. And then we'll program the drums there. I go home and practice said drums and then go into the studio to record the, that. Um, and then Greg goes to, oh, person who has a huge hand also in the vocal production is taylor young um who does twitching tongues I'm, i can't even begin the list of bands that that dude is yeah and just, it's just go to his instagram and scroll and you'll you'll yeah, i mean yeah. yeah dude has a, a monster catalog of artistic uh adventures just so many good bands but uh also great vocal producer it turns out because holy shit i mean greg has recorded all the vocals with him because he's in la um so that is all it is right now is just me greg and dan um we've got other people in mind for when things pick up that are for like playing shows uh we've been talking with austin evans who plays guitar in orthodox um and then also zachariah witcher who was the original bassist in orthodox uh who ironically if you have one of those like rest in peace mongoloids posters where it's like greg jumping really high and it says mongoloid years they were a thing in the bottom right corner you can see me and zach like freaking out against the stage because that was taken in atlanta and so i was like how funny is it that like zach and i were both huge mongoloids fans yeah. literally drove to new jersey for their final show um and now we're kind of in it <laughs> i don't know but uh mongoloids v2 kind of yeah. yeah yeah but yeah that's kind of where that's the whole that's the the whole thing of youth collapse is that right there and we've got tons of other ideas it's just a matter of when dan and i have not only the time but enough like mental bandwidth to get back together and get some more songs written for it uh but hopefully in theory we'll have something else out this year 
but or at least get in to record something this year. Yeah. But we we're not. I can't put any real timelines concrete in that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, like I I remember vividly you sharing that and then just being like, oh yeah, th- this looks interesting. Um, I'll give it a listen and just like six feet like is as good as an intro track as it could be as an outro track. It just yeah, there's no lead in. It just right to business right away, and then just this beautiful fade out. Like I was like I was listening to it today, and I was like, man, this could this could close the whole EP, but the fact that it opens almost makes it better in some cases. Yeah. I, I love how our track order on that goes, honestly. Um, literally when I thought of the like six feet, uh, hook at the end, I was kind of pissed that I wouldn't be the one singing it from being all the way real. Cause I'm like, I probably will never write anything that catchy ever again. Cause it's just so fucking simple. And, um, Greg actually was like, I don't know if I want to like sing this because it's such a heavy part. I was like, dude, if you don't fucking sing that, you were just throwing that out the window. You have to do it. It's you so have to epic sing it. with the actual it's vocals. So yeah. exactly. Yeah. I was like, dude, just please. And he did it. And I mean, that's one of my favorite still after all that we've done. That's one of my favorite parts that we have. But uh, I say all that we've done yeah. after the other song that we did. Uh, that's but like the way that it goes from that into binds in time where it goes straight into a, a little fill thing and then youth collapse starts with greg and greg does such insane vocals over that that you don't even realize how heavy that part actually is mm-hmm. but that part's awesome and then it has a weird like dance. that was the part that like caught me off guard when i first heard the songs because i heard them as instrumentals first yeah and when it goes to dan hits the octave pedal and goes from standard to a complete just jump down for the end of it. Yeah. I was like, what did I just fucking hear? Yeah. Um, but then the whole, you know, setting my ways is as straight edge of a song as I could write. And I always, I had been wanting to use the, uh, originally the idea was like, I'll always be straight edge. And if you have any doubts, you keep my name out of your fucking mouth. And that's kind of corny. So I was like, what can I do that like still uses that but isn't as dumb and lame? And so the whole set my way thing, I was like, that's perfect because we're all like late twenties, early thirties, and we're all still straight edge. So this is mm-hmm. it. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's that's youth collapse. Oh, and then the itch is written about skateboarding. So <laughs> the itch is like there's a a ton of bangers on that one scene Unity comp, but I. Yeah, I was like, that comp is insane. Insane. Um, but I, it was, it was funny because I know a lot of my friends that I was like, you need to listen to this youth collapse band, and like nine times out of ten, you're like, listen to this band. Yeah, I'll check it out, and then they don't check it out because no of X Y Z reasons. But I think when that came out, and you know, a lot of the bands that they would frequent were on it. They were like, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to everything. You're like, yo, this youth collapse band is sick. I'm like, yeah, I told you to listen. Like so many months ago um that comp put us from like having like 300 monthly listeners on spotify to like now we consistently have like 1600 which is still very small potatoes but i'm like that comp alone got us like 1300 new people listening to the band yeah definitely go check that comp out if you haven't just a plethora of just amazing amazing hardcore um all all throughout it um shout out to hangman for sure 
A hundred percent. I need to ask before we move on to kind of the final thing I want to hit on. Uh, whose call was it to to drop the solo on the the, the solo vocal line on uh, on on the first song on the EP? Like, should I say so, should I say solo before the guitar solo kicks in? Wait, what? There's, I'm confused. What you're talking about? So in uh, oh, where he says solo? Yes, he says the word solo. Yeah, that was 100 percent correct. 100 percent correct. <laughs> Solo. Yeah, that was Greg. <laughs> it was like it's still one of one of the best parts because I've seen that live and it's like, oh yeah, that's funny. But to actually like put it in writing, so to speak, was like all all the respect and love for that. Um. So so the last thing I wanted to hit on here, Adam, is uh, obviously you're a big Nashville guy. You're you know repping your ink at the very beginning of this podcast when you guys played uh, uh, Winnipeg. You before you guys even started start shitting on the Winnipeg Jets immediately, and I was like, "Damn, this guy is yeah. like very, very into uh into hockey." And I don't see a lot of people in hardcore specifically who are like rep their teams kind of as hard as hard as I've seen you. So like, has that always just been like your you know just your upbringing? Like, no, you cheer for Nashville. You don't cheer for you don't pick a team. You cheer for the home team. With that, what was the kind of the seeds that were planted for that. So the predators have been around since 98. Um, they were pretty much dog shit for a long time. Uh, they were like very bad, like to the point where like most everyone in Nashville hates the golden Knights because why did you get to pick this fucking awesome team? And we just now started making the playoffs, like kind of fuck you a little bit. Um, but uh, so, like, growing up, I was much more of a huge baseball fan. Um, Cubs have al- always been my team. Um, you know, baseball and basketball, you had Sammy Sosa and Michael Jordan. Those were, like, my two favorite uh, athletes. Uh, and then we got the Titans in football um, around around the same time. I think 99, went to the Super Bowl immediately. That was our, our first year as a team we went to the Super Bowl. Lost, haven't been back since. But, uh, but, you know, that was kind of where I was like, oh, this is badass. And I was six or seven at the time. Um, so I started really following football too. And hockey, Nashville's hockey scene was not there for a while. Um, it, we almost got moved. The team almost got, uh, got sent to, I don't remember where we were almost more sent, but we were supposed to be transitioned out of Nashville at some point, but uh, a petition was signed or something happened. I don't know what the hell happened, but people were like, oh, we're going to lose this team if we don't start supporting it. And then people start really showing up. Uh, and it also really helps to follow a team when they're not losing. If you got 82 games in a year and you're losing most of them, it's kind of hard to keep up with it. But uh, around the time they started getting pretty decent, it was actually around the time that I started working in a restaurant on a street called Broadway in Nashville, yep. one block away from the arena. So I was constantly out there. Like when there was game nights, we'd have so many people in the gold jerseys everywhere. And I just really liked the atmosphere of it. And also Nashville, how much is like a balcony seat at a Jets game? Ooh, okay. Oh, fuck. You're in Canadian. Damn it. That sucks. 
Canadian money is the most like upsetting thing in the world to me. I just, I, it just literally makes my head hurt so bad. And I don't know why I think it's just because I've had to deal with it so little and I'm not good at math as it is. Oh, so like doing merch in Winnipeg. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> right now it's like almost, I, I think we're 60 cents on a dollar for you. So it's like, I don't okay. know why you got that anything bad to say. Do. Cause you guys can really roll on it <laughs> when you guys are coming up here. Well, anyways, how much is like a ticket for a game for you guys? Um, it's it's changed. Um, I want to. Uh, I'm going to do some research right now. If- Let me just. It doesn't even honestly matter. We'll just put it into perspective for you. For the first like three four years that I was really becoming a Preds fan, I could go to a game for fifteen dollars. Right. Yeah. And there's not a bad seat in Burstone Arena because it was built for concerts. So instead of where you have most sports places are built this way, it was built up. And so the acoustics in it are insane, which is partially why we are frequently noted as the loudest arena in sports. Um, It's just because the literal acoustics of that place are astounding. Um, So that's where I started really being able to go was because I was like, oh, damn, Tuesday night game. If I use the Preds app, I can get these seats for $15 with fees i'm paying 40 bucks and then i go to the game and have a great time and we were doing really well yeah uh so that was kind of where i was at and then once we got in the playoffs i was like it's like oh i'll i'll spend the money to go to the playoffs game i actually got to see uh game three of the series where we uh, swept the blackhawks which was awesome i was right over the goal when kevin fiala did his little backhand to win in overtime Mm um so like i don't to say that I've like always been a Preds fan is like, yeah, I've always, that's always been the hockey team I supported, mm-hmm. but I wasn't always a huge hockey fan. Yeah. But then once I was, it was kind of like, Oh, this is awesome. And also this is the sickest spectator sport of all time. I think, I think the only reason it's not as big as like football and basketball and such is partially because it's not as accessible. Um, it's a very expensive game to play to begin with because a pair of skates is not cheap but then also americans just love instant gratification like they want to see the 100 mile an hour fastball they want to see the three-point shot they want to see the big tackle every play yeah but like there's something magical about like in hockey when you're in the third period neither team has scored everyone's beating the shit out of each other and then finally someone breaks through and scores that's like the the biggest like yelling moment or the biggest your air has been sucked out of you moment yeah. you can possibly get to is in sports. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree. Um, so I, I am remembering the last time I went to a Jets game and I, it was nosebleeds like in the balcony. And I think that they were like 150 a person. Yeah. And, and, and Winnipeg is really not the best example for like casual hockey going. Cause it's just like, as soon as they came back, to Winnipeg, it's like, all right, everybody and their grandmother has season tickets for 25 years or, or whatever. It yeah, is. well, because you're Canadian. <laughs> Literally, that's that's the whole joke of like, especially for like the Habs is like, oh, if you get on the wait list, then maybe your grandkids will get some season tickets. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always, just with the Preds, that's just always been my allegiance. And it's partially because it is local, but mm-hmm. I just also like, I really grew to love that team. especially because when I first got into it was when we had, you know, Shea Weber, we had Mike Fisher, James Neal, um, 
Philip Forsberg was just getting in. Victor Arbison was just coming in. Pecorine was in his prime. Carter Hutton was our backup. We had Ryan Ellison, Roman Yossi had just come up from Milwaukee. Like we were a very fresh and like aggressive team. We had Paul Gostad, who was just an asshole on the ice. Uh, like literally it was just so much fun to watch because I remember we literally traded for, or we picked Cody McLeod up. Wait, what did we do for him? We traded some, uh, like a draft pick for Cody, for Cody McLeod. Mm-hmm. And he, to anyone that's listening is to say that he's a bad hockey player is incorrect because he's in the NHL. That level of skill is ridiculous. But in NHL standards, he's not like, and he knows it, he's not like the best player by any means. He's constantly going between minors and and the NHL and such. But the dude, the year we got him, had the most fights in the NHL. And we literally picked him up for the simple fact of like, let's get somebody on our fourth line to pair with, uh, at the time it was like Austin Watson and Callie Yonkrook, I think. And I was like, let's just get somebody back there that like, we'll just, fuck somebody up for fun and like the game we got him from the avalanche and the next game was against the avalanche and who does he fight i think it was matt duchene actually uh but but like literally like that was the era that i grew up watching the team was like those formative years and so like two years after i started watching him we swept the blackhawks which was crazy and the energy that that filled the city with was just you couldn't touch it with anything else literally because Nashville is such a tourist stop that a lot of the time the big events are people that have nothing to do with the city. They show up for this, they act like dickheads, and then they leave. But like the the vibe of the city when even now when we go in the playoffs is purely like a local pride thing that's so cool, and it's something that everyone gets behind. To like the restaurants making T-shirts that say that have like Preds in like in Preds colors or whatever like that aren't even close to the arena are doing it. So like, it's just such a cool, like that's just how it's been. And I think once the Nashville hockey crowd realized how different and exemplary they were, because it's basically just a bunch of rednecks that are around the ice. It it sounds like you're at a high school football game the whole time. It's insane. It's literally insane. And we had uh, a guy I worked with was actually like our whole like host of the games. His name was Ryan. Um, he went by uh, Maverick. Okay. Um, he actually was like the host for the Rangers at one point. But uh, he said one thing that was very odd to him was when he came to Nashville is we are the only city that when we score, we don't cheer our team on. We tell your team they suck. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's because, like I said, it's a bunch of rednecks that happen to find a hockey rink and they love it. So it's just a totally different energy than anywhere else you can go. Yeah. Aside no. from maybe Dallas. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's definitely, I think Winnipeg is maybe special because we were one of those only like hockey teams that like had hockey and then it was kind of like taken away from us. And it was just Don Cherry like slamming his hands on the desk being like, Winnipeg needs a hockey team. And then, like, as, you know, you know, if, if, if there's anyone who's from Winnipeg who's listening and you didn't grow up wanting to own a comeback kid, like, spoof Winnipeg Jets shirt growing <laughs> up, it's like, you yeah. should turn off this podcast now and rethink your entire life. Um, but 
yeah, like, you know, seeing some of those, like, you know, hardcore metal bands, like, taking their hometown and using that, in a sense, to, like, you know, rep where they're from, like, you know, kind of combining those two passions. And I've seen you guys do that yeah. a couple times. Um, I, I hope that there's more, you know, next time you guys are on a t- on tour, I'm sure that it's not just a one-off, that there's always thoughts and ideas about Predators Orthodox merch in the, in the works. It's just kind of hard because, like, the Predators aesthetic doesn't match Orthodox at all. It's, like, gold and blue and a tiger right so like it doesn't it just doesn't like I, we've done it and i will happily do it again it's kind of a risk to do on tour because not only are you going to other cities where people don't like the predators right. but also people who don't understand it are like why is this saber tooth tiger on your merchandise like so it's kind of that's kind of like what we also two of our members live in columbus now and don't give a fuck about hockey yeah. but like <laughs> but uh but, um, but yeah, I don't, I, it's, I personally love when we do things like that. We had, uh, when we were on this last tour, actually a tornado hit town and it's pretty devastating. Uh, and we did a shirt that was this logo, which is very old from like 2008 ish. Um, and we put that with a black shirt, just said Orthodox Nashville, and used that to raise money to send to a charity foundation to help kind of rebuild the city, give aid, and so on and so forth. Um, unfortunately, the moment that we were able to finally get that money in our hands and turn it in, the world stopped. And so, like, there's still parts of Nashville that haven't been rebuilt just because they can't get any, like, construction out there. So, it's still pretty sad, but... um yeah no just to again very long answer for a very easy question hockey is one of my big passions uh this year i think i watched more of the playoffs than i ever did just because there was nothing sports related on tv and then suddenly it was like on the hour every hour uh so i've really been getting invested in it i've become an islanders fan which is something i never thought i'd say um yeah i mean but they're uh, granted Barry Trotz was our original coach. He's now their coach. Um, uh, and also there, there's some ties. They, yeah. yeah. How, how do you feel about Dustin Bufflin? Um, from what standpoint, just in general, because he retired out of nowhere and now he's suing the team for money because of an operation that he got outside of his contract oh. that he's saying they should have paid for. Okay. So that's all news to me. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, he's like, he's like trying to sue the jets. Wow. Well, now any any nice things I was gonna say about him, I'm gonna just bite my tongue. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I think about when you guys played and you're guys. like, I hate Dustin Bufflin. I hope he Oh, you I don't know if you called that in, into existence. If you're like, I hope he leaves <laughs> and he retiring. announced his retirement like the day before or he was he announced that he was thinking of retiring like the day before we played. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> You're I was like, like, I'm going to use that. All right, here we go. I was like, I hope he retires and never looks back. I hope you never see him play again, mainly because that dude is terrifying. Yeah. Like, that's one thing I hated about playing the Jets, especially when we played you guys in the playoffs, was like, it was like we were playing the bullies. Because <laughs> I feel like the height minimum to be on that team is 6'5. It's in, it was, you had, um, uh, Tyler, Ty- Myers? Tyler Myers at the yeah. mind at the time too. 
He's like as eight, well as Bufflin, nine or something stupid. Blake Wheeler, Line A, even Hellebuck is like six six. Like literally everyone on the team was just so big. And it just felt like we could and of course we traded our big guy, Shea Weber, for a fucking flop with PK Subban. So, you know, that didn't help us at all. But all that's to be said, um hockey is sick, hardcore is sick. Yeah, um, we probably went a little too long on hockey. No, it's fight. totally fine. When I interviewed um <laughs> when I interviewed Lumpy from Sanctioned, we actually talked more about coffee than we did about music in general. Oh dude, that's actually great. Uh, we shouldn't get into that because I'm a huge coffee guy too. We'll end up sitting here talking okay. forever. So. Maybe that's a part two on a, on a future episode. Yeah, um, there we go. Uh, Adam, the, the tail end uh, section of the podcast that I always hit all my guests with is a favorite mosh story. So that doesn't need to necessarily be like, oh, from my moshing days, it could be something that happened at an Orthodox show, just a show you went to back in the day. Whatever is first off your head is how we say goodbye. This isn't a story I usually tell, but for some reason this just popped in my mind, so we'll throw it out there. Um, So Nashville is really and truly one of the hardest, not the hardest, one of the wildest cities. I don't want to call it the hardest because, like, there's not a lot of fights ever, but, like, it is truly a very tight-knit group of friends who will just do anything to each other. And so it gets pretty... I'm never scared because it's like, oh, if I get hit, it's going to suck. I'll get over it. But, like, there's moments where I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Um, And I think probably one of the most memorable things was Zach Witcher, my best friend, uh, played in Orthodox. He uh, is one of the best bassists I know. He plays in – he's one of the, like, the go-to guys in the natural soul and R&B scene. Um, he's a large guy, and he is truly, like, people will be like, oh, are you going to go down front? And they're like, nope, Zach's here. Like, right. literally the nicest dude would do anything for anybody. I mean, really and truly such a soft, genuine person just something comes out of him and we were it was a tour that was years ago it was before either of these bands really started peaking not peaking that's not the right word started really revving up was jesus peace and vain um vain was playing and as you know vain has so many crazy twists and turns in their songs there's moments where like if you aren't familiar with their music and you start like going for it it's kind of a risk because you're like, oh, you might just start doing something to something that doesn't make sense for you to do it to anymore. Well, Zach started really going in right as a vein song was about to have a real sharp cut ending. And he did a spin, like a kick that hit this dude in the head and knocked his head into the wall. Literally like song ended and then Zach's foot comes flying and you just hear this dude's connect and then hit the wall and it thuds so <laughs> it thuds so loud but it was the moment that the song ends so there's it's silence you just hear boom and i mean 80 percent of the room just goes ooh. that's when i tell you i mean aaron heard was down there moshing with us and he like fell over laughing i felt so bad for this kid 
because Zach doesn't wear light shoes. It's usually like fucking Tim's or something like that. I've gotten multiple black eyes from the heel of his boot. But like, I mean, literally thuds. It sounds like when you see a TV show and there's like a contact, but you're like, oh, that was definitely a sample because there's no way that actually made that noise. That shit actually made that noise. That's how that was. To like hit so hard that this kid just bounced. And he went outside for a minute and I was like, bro, you just like destroyed that kid. Like he's, I say kid, you destroyed that dude. And like, I mean, I, that's for some reason, that's just what popped into my head was Zachariah Witcher annihilating this person into the brick wall of the end in Nashville during the <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I appreciate that story and, and kind of breaking it down because there, you know, when I'm, when I'm on stage, either filming a show or even a fest, there's so many times where, you know, certain connects with people in the face, like line up exactly to like certain hits in the, in the song. And I have this like mm-hmm. little moment to myself, like, yeah, that's going to look great on the video. Oh, that's going to look sick on there. Yeah. Yeah. But then Absolutely. to have it like publicly just dead silence and all I hear is like, the loudest and you just know that that's someone's skull just not shattering but just not getting a little out of itself it's also it was just so much worse because like when zach's going that venue specifically is kind of narrow it's like everyone in there is watching him for their own well-being so they're watching his foot raise up about six feet in the air they're like oh shit that's high oh shit that's loud that's like where they were so it's one of those where all eyes are supposed to be on the band, but there's certain moments where everyone knows it's not. That was one of those moments where all the eyes were there, and then everyone just heard just this home run swing of a of just a contact. Just it's too insane. bad. Too bad there wasn't like a a professional movie effects guy just like you know having a long sampling it, yeah, mic to sample it, yeah, yep. You're like, oh, I, I got what we can use for this next Jackie Chan movie. It's just, just that. I mean, simple. that shit might have picked up in the drum mic. Like, I'm not even kidding. It was so loud. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, I know it sounds like I'm just blowing smoke at this point, but goddamn. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, it. Like you were the, you were there. You witnessed it to tell the tale here. Um, mm-hmm. Adam, this has been a great conversation. Um, definitely. I agree. This was a lot of fun. Oh, I appreciate that. We we've gone full bore on this podcast. <laughs> Um, but seriously, um, I, I don't say this to, to everybody, the, the bands that you're a part of with Orthodox and Youth Collapse, you know, are just, I see both of those bands doing something different in their respective subgenre fields and, um, anything that I can do to help, uh, support that in addition to just listening to it constantly while I'm walking my dog is, uh, all good by me. Anything, uh, you want to plug, um, send people to after they're done this podcast uh anything you want to do on that regard before we say ta-ta um two of the best heavy records when will this come out um let's let's say roughly in a, a two weeks okay so as of right now two of the best heavy records of the year are up for pre-order um, that is, uh, your receding warmth by boundaries and cost of living by chamber. Um, I can, I have been fortunate enough to tour with both of these bands, grow very close with every member of them. 
And also the real, well, one of the big personal perks of that is I've gotten to hear both of those records and I can tell you whatever you think you're about to get, it's going to blow your fucking expectations out of the water. And if you haven't listened to either of those bands, don't be that asshole that's like, oh, everyone's listening. I'm not going to. You're an idiot for doing that. <laughs> Buy those records. Support those bands. You're not going to be disappointed. Yeah. That's some Nashville love. Um, you know, giving the love to some other homies. Um, both of those bands, from what I've heard so far, have, have been absolutely insane. Um, I'll, I'll give a little teaser. I actually might be doing a podcast with uh, Matt from Boundaries. Is that his name? Dude, this is so funny. He literally was like, dude, I've heard that name. Let me check my e emails. And he looked, looked through his emails like, I don't have anything from this, but I know I've heard of this. Well, so funny. Was so, it on Instagram? Or not on Instagram. It was on Twitter where you talked to him? No. Well, okay. The, the real truth is, and maybe just before we did this podcast, this is like, I don't know if this will put it put in, but before we did this podcast, I did an interview with Zach from 30 Nights of Violence. So another Nashville yeah. metal cool oh, yeah. band. And then You'll see me up there is incredible as well. Mm -hmm. And so their, I guess like manager hit me up. And then like, I checked my email today being like, yep, I, everything's set for that. And then he's like, oh, do you also want to interview Matt from Boundaries? So I'm like, we're just getting all was this metalcore from Nashville on, on the podcast, which was I it, Well, Boundaries is Connecticut, but still. Oh, sorry. Uh, was it Alec uh, Cakebread? Yes, Alec. Yeah, that's the, that's the PR guy for Unbeaten. He is a real one for sure. Yeah, shout out to yeah. him because uh, I put out, I put Third Nights of Violence and Speed on my playlist, and then he sent me an email. This was in June, and I only responded to that email like three months later because I never checked the scoped email. <laughs> and he was like cool enough to be like, nah, like, let's do it. So, um, Shout out to him. Oh yeah. Shout out to Nashville. Shout out to Unbeaten Records. Um, mm -hmm. Shout out to you, Adam, for doing this. And I hope that Thank you, you know once the world goes back to a, a new normal and we can have shows, uh, it is high, high, high on my to-do list to get Orthodox up to Western Canada again because that would be a treat for me. Hell yeah, man.